0: That's how Jesus pays seven
1: so. I'm a so I'm a fellow. i i I'm so Jesus. I'm so sure. a fellow. My you I live. of my end. I tell Jesus. I must I cannot God is gonna make you shine God he can to make you shine God is gonna make you shine God to make i shine gonna All my cares and sorrows i must so a Jesus i must so a Jesus I cannot bear the burdens of all I'm so 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 Jesus It's a time Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus,
2: Jesus, 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 Jesus,
1: Jesus, 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 Thank you
0: Hello everybody, Pastor Tim aka Apostle Zimmerman of I Saw the Light Ministries, hope that you're having a good service today. Uh, Are you ready for him? Uh, I believe most likely that is your personal internet connection there. Uh, We will confirm that. Uh, Brother in Jamaica, and brother in Korea would please let me know if the connection is going in and out or whether or not the connection is solid. Uh, The feedback would be greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Now, uh, for anybody that might be listening from Cape Town, South Africa, I really need you to stop listening immediately if you are in Cape Town, South Africa, if you are listening live right here right now, because the Cape Town, South Africa local congregation there is going to, starting today, uh, have worship services several hours earlier so that they have time to eat together and pray and sing together and fellowship together. And I hope that you did all of that today, this morning and earlier. And if you're meeting several hours earlier so that everybody can get home before the vampires come out at dark, uh, then that means you can't listen live. you got to listen to, you got to stay one week behind. And that's what I've always told everybody around the world that if you are in a time zone where I'm preaching live at 3 o'clock in the morning or something like that, then don't really need to be staying up all night listening to me. I do appreciate you wanting to listen live, and there there is definitely power in listening to the live broadcast. However, uh, you don't have to do that. Staying up all night listening to me, uh, or if you have a local congregation like you do in Cape Town, then it's more important for you to have several hours, really all day. I really, got to be honest with you. Well, I will. No, I just went and say it. Uh, uh, I would that you had stayed together even for longer than you did today. It takes time to pray together, it takes time to sing worship songs together, it takes time to eat, it takes time to listen to the sermon, it takes time then after the sermon to talk about the sermon. So really fellowship with the church if you have a local true congregation which we only have only in Cape Town and uh, Algeria. You you don't you, you you need really to spend the whole day together. What you really need as a church, as a local congregation, you really need to spend the entire day together. Um, that way, you really get to know each other and be really planned and uh, singing and, and worshiping and, and not rushing in any of these different things. So, I really encourage you to hang out. Of course,
3: I know that at the same time uh,
0: I have to hold my words in that's the way it is. Okay. Uh, my, my prayer is that people of God become strong. Uh, my prayer is that the people of God become very strong, bold, brave, not have fear, and be brave warriors the Lord
3: mm. difficult situation really is very difficult situation God is good
0: nevertheless even though we've failed God is victorious, but that's not right. That's not right that we fail. Because we, we have God in us. Or do we? Or do we? Well, there's one more s- well, i got to get going. Can't even play that song. Got to just go straight into prayer and get a sermon. Started. You know? All right, let's go in prayer. Let me turn on the recording, get the recording started. Okay, let's go in prayer right now. Lord, Heavenly Father Almighty, I praise you, Heavenly Father. Lord, thank you, Lord, for this day of rest. This day of worship, this day of fellowship. Praise your holy name. Father, people have been words to their entire lives. But you don't require very much from people. You just only believing. Just only believe. But you require So very much. Really do. Because that's the right thing to do. Because paradise would be corrupted if you allowed in babies, immature people, and cowards. people who are afraid of the dark, people who are thinking that everybody's out to get them. Paranoid. the weakling. If they were allowed in to the fullness of the new heavens and new earth, paradise, paradise would be lost. It would be destroyed. So we must learn our lessons now while we have the flesh and blood, while we can feel pain we must endure suffering. He we tested, he we tried, and undergo the boot camp of strong preaching. This is what we need. We need trials and tribulations and temptations. We need the sufferings of this life. So that we may learn our lessons now. Get ourselves straightened up, fixed, and realigned to your spirit, your spirit of power, authority, truth, and the light. Praise your holy name, Jesus. Father, we do ask that you would fix us deliver us and save the church because the church needs to get saved. Father, I pray that you would rise up, leaders There are warriors. The Simpsons
3: of today that is what we need.
0: Please bring us the substance that the church so severely needs. Praise your holy name. May the people no longer be babies, but warriors. But I know it's going to take the rest of our lives to see this the field. But it is what it is, and I just throw it all upon your altar and realize, profess, that it is you that will accomplish it, not I myself. Every person will face you individually. I can only do my part. But Lord, you know, feel my distress, my worry, my cure, my anxiety for the church, my frustrations. But you are so very good, Lord. You are so very good. We just ask, Father, that you would move and work in amazing ways a the congregation around the world. Save them and deliver them. Give them strength like they've never had before. Courage like they've never had before. Courage to plunge in freezing waters, courage to withstand the scorching heat of the sun, courage to endure the darkness of the night, courage to go where they have never gone before, courage to leave mommy and daddy's nipples, courage to grow up, courage. Be the army of the Lord. Father, please bless this message that we're about to receive. This message will cause demons to flee and people to be delivered from their own selves. For this message, I know, has received your blessing, your anointing, and we will accomplish the purpose which forth you have sent it, we will not return void nor vain. In the name of Jesus,
3: so be it. Amen.
0: Praise Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Okay. Let us open up the New Testament. Just open it up anywhere. Anywhere. Open up the Holy Scriptures and let it, open where it may, because I just want the Scriptures to be open there is power in having a Bible open in front of you. Amen. Praise God. And when there is a sermon ongoing, no one, absolutely no one in the congregation should close their Bible until the final amen. Amen. Because when you close your Bible early, for everybody else then you are quenching the spirit you're saying I don't want to hear no more I've had enough I pushed the plate away but we need always more always a more Scripture. We can't get enough scripture. Even if you've read it seven times over, the entire Bible, you still ain't had enough. Because every time you read the Bible, you're going to read things you never saw before in your life. If you ever read the Bible more than once, you know what I'm talking about. Amen? Every time you read it, you could swear. Somebody wrote that in in the last few weeks because it wasn't there last time I read it.
3: God is good.
0: They should always want more of the Word of God. Amen. Today, in the modern churches of this corrupted, wicked world, they want to rush about everything. Amen. knock a wave, instant society, instant oatmeal, instant grits, instant eggs, instant sermon, instant fellowship, 20-minute sermon, 30-minute, 40-minute sermon, anything beyond that. People are sleeping. Of course, I would sleep too listening to their bull crap and nothing but lies Actually, I wouldn't be sleeping. I would be throwing darts. Amen. Or yelling or screaming because I wouldn't sit there and listen to their boy cry. Amen. I've been there and done that about sitting among the wicked at church every Sunday. I've done it. Been there, done that. Don't want no more of it. Once you know the truth, you're held responsible for the truth. Once you know Saturday is the Sabbath, why enter into the synagogue of Satan on Sunday? Why do it? You're either going to serve God in the truth or you're not. Make up your mind. Stop being double-minded. You can't be a member of two churches at one time. You can't. You cannot be a member of two churches at one time. You either... I'm going to be a member of God's church or Satan's church. Pick, pick, choose today who you're going to serve. Amen. We need more preaching, not less. More fellowship, not less. More time with the saints, not less. Amen. God is good. Today, we're going to talk about the difference between spiritual warfare and emotional reactions. And sometimes it's just life. There's a difference between spiritual warfare and emotions, fear, and just life as life happens. And i tell you, in the average person in this world that thinks that they are saved, that thinks that they are a Christian, they call themselves saved, they call themselves Christian, or they think they're going to heaven or however they want to word it, in that particular average person, they think that everything that happens to them, every little thing is spiritual warfare. I'm not talking about one person. I'm talking about everybody. This is a worldwide problem in every town, city, state, and nation on earth. Every so-called church, every so-called denomination, every so-called Christian, every one they stumped their toe, Satan did it. They got a flat tire because they ran over a nail, Satan did it. They lost their job, Satan did it. They did a sickness, a disease, diabetes, whatever, cancer, whatever, Satan did it. Everything, everything is spiritual warfare. Everything comes from the enemy. They say, they say, amen. Nothing is their own fault. Amen. Nothing is their own fault. They got diabetes and cancer and everything else because a lot of them, I know this is not in every situation, but I'm saying in general, a lot of them, they're drinking corn syrup, genetically modified sugar, genetically modified corn syrup, drinking Dr. Pepper, Coca Cola, Pepsi, and then they get cancer. Satan did it. No, it wasn't Satan, it was the soda pop. It was your poor decisions. Amen. Worse than poor, horrible decisions. Amen. Amen. Drink soda pop. What you're saying is, Welcome, cancer, welcome, diabetes, welcome, liver disease, welcome, come on in, you're invited, come on, cancer, please attack me. I want to get sick, I want to be unhealthy. That's exactly what you're saying when you drink soda pop. Exactly, 100%. That's what you're saying. You're saying, I don't care if I get sick. I don't care if I get a deadly disease because I'd rather feed my mouth than to stay healthy. Poor decisions. Horrible decisions. Amen? Absolutely horrible decisions. And feed your children that junk. Oh, Lord. God, help us. Don't have mercy on us, Lord. Please don't have mercy on us. People feeding their children genetically modified corn syrup. Here, drink this, honey. Lord, do not have mercy, Lord. Do not have mercy. People deserve what they get. To them, everything is spiritual warfare, demons attacking them every time they turn around, everybody out to get them. And I can preach a paranoid a sermon about being paranoid and fearful, and it goes right over their head. I'm still not guilty. No, that's not me. He's talking about somebody else. Oh, then a pastor don't know. He don't understand. He's not here. He don't know what I've been through. He doesn't know what I'm going through. Well, I'll tell you what. I've been there and done that. Now, let's talk about what real warfare is. Let's talk about real spiritual warfare for a few moments real spiritual warfare as you open your door look out on your porch and see chicken guts on your porch no chicken bones no feathers except for maybe just tiny 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 little of feathers but where's the rest of the carcass and how did it get on your porch? And, and and your fence your yard is fenced in. It couldn't have been a dog or a cat to chase down and kill the chicken on your porch. Could not have been because you got a fence around your yard. Chicken guts on your porch is a curse. It is voodoo. It is witchcraft. That's what I found back around maybe 2008, probably, most likely, in that time zone. That's real spiritual warfare. And you know how you attack back when you're under that type of real spiritual warfare? You don't. Just close your eyes and pray silently, and it just goes away. (laughs) That's not real spiritual warfare. Just to close your eyes and just pray silently, oh, Lord, please deliver me from this evil. And it just stops immediately and just goes away, and they never attack again, and the curse is undone. No, that's not how it works. the way you're going to defeat real spiritual warfare is to shout, to scream, to demand, that whoever did that, that whoever walked into your yard and laid those chicken guts on your porch on purpose to curse you, that you verbally, aloud, loudly rebuke that person those demons, and that curse, and you make void that curse. You avoid it. You say, in the name of Jesus, I avoid that curse. That curse is of no effect upon me. I cover myself in the blood of Christ Jesus. Victory is mine. And may the curse return upon the person who tried to put this curse upon me. May they be cursed double. I don't remember if I said exactly that. But I do know that I was doing some yelling. I do know that I was being forceful and rebuking the evil. If you think you're going to defeat that type of evil by closing your eyes, then you will never win a battle in your life. Man, you are that weak. I'll tell you something else about real spiritual warfare. It's when you're looking for a place to live and a witch calls you on the phone and says, I got a place for you to live. A real witch. Of course, Christians today they think everybody's a witch. They'd be burning everybody at the stake if they could. Everybody's a witch. Everybody's sent from Satan according to them. Everybody's out together. But a real witch. Call you up and invite you to live in their yard on their property. That's real spiritual warfare. Another example of real spiritual warfare is when you're trying to do a sermon and you've got three different devices recording the sermon, three different devices all recording at the same time and and the recording still is not successful. Amen? When you still do not have the entire sermon recorded on either of three devices, that's real spiritual warfare, Amen. a real attack of demons coming against the church. Real spiritual world warfare is when it cannot be explained through physical uh, reasoning or logical reasoning three different devices recording at the same time and it's still not successful for the entire sermon. Maybe one device had recorded part of the sermon but not all of it. That's beyond coincidence, beyond coincidence, beyond logical reasoning of anything. That's real spirits working against you. Just like the chicken guts in the yard, there's no other logical explanation. Because it could not be a dog or a chicken or a coyote or a wolf or something like that. There would be a carcass, and then, and how did they get inside the fence and back out and take the rest of it with them and leave no bones or anything else or even, not you know, did the did the dog bring a broom with him to clean up all the feathers? No other logical explanation then it is a spiritual situation amen you have a flat tire it could be a nail you have a flat tire it could be glass it don't have to be a witch it don't have to be a demon it don't have to even be a human uh, putting the nail under your tire Logically, there could have been a nail on the road. Logically, there could have been glass on the road. There's still a logical explanation that is possible. Most of those times, it's just life. Life happens. People have flat tires all the time. Of course, if you had a flat tire three days in a row, then that would be spiritual warfare or maybe not spiritual warfare. Maybe it's just one of your next-door neighbors or somebody you work with that hates your guts. Maybe we should also define spiritual warfare. For the purposes of this sermon, the definition of spiritual warfare is then fallen angels, what we call demons fallen angels are attacking or when a person uses magic or spiritual power against you, there is a spiritual realm against you. Whether it is demons directly without human involvement or whether there is a human involved but the human is using the spiritual realm against you purposely, knowing That That is spiritual warfare. It's not spiritual warfare if your next-door neighbor or co-worker, family, friend, relative, whoever it is, is angry at you, hates you, upset, whatever the situation may be, and they're doing something against you. But that's not spiritual warfare. But Christians typically think that even that is spiritual warfare. But there's no demons involved. There's no magic involved. There's no spiritual power involved. It's just an evil, wicked person or maybe a righteous person that is doing something against you because you deserve it or they think you deserve it. But it's not spiritual warfare if there's not a spiritual realm involved. So now that we have defined what spiritual warfare really is, we can proceed here. But remember that spiritual warfare, it includes the word spiritual. A lot of things are only fleshly, just humans. Your own mistakes, your own decisions, your own fears, your own emotions, your own emotional reaction to people or things or events, or the human interaction with you, or even animal interaction with you. You might be you might be attacked by a dog. But if there's not a spiritual connection, then it's not spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is warfare on the spiritual level. Amen? That's why it's called spiritual warfare. There has to be spirits involved for it to be real spiritual warfare magic or a curse or a spell, whatever, witchcraft, real witchcraft. Real spiritual warfare could also have the example of temptation, temptation to sin, temptation to fall away. But even then, even then, It may not be spiritual warfare because the temptation might be just only you, your own carnal desires, your own sinful desires. You can have that without a demon being involved. Absolutely. The average Christian thinks that every little temptation is a demon whispering in your ears. Every little temptation. But that's not true. Actually, the majority of the time, most of every temptation, there's no demon involved at all. It's just you. Your own desires. Your own wickedness. The Christians have never been taught these things. I was trying to look on the internet last night articles about what is the difference between spiritual warfare and just fear and your own reactions and your own decisions. Stuff like that. I already understood the difference but I wanted to see what other people were saying, other pastors, other ministries. And you know what I found? Zero. Zero. I looked on Bing. I looked on Google. I, uh, and uh, Yandex the Russian search engine which is a pretty good search engine as well three different search engines absolutely zero websites that I could find and I looked over and over with different phrases different terms different keywords and I still could not find not even one ministry not even one sermon i telling the difference Between spiritual warfare and just your own life events, decisions, poor decisions, fear, emotional reactions, whatever. Because none of those churches and none of those pastors and none of those ministries know the difference themselves. They can't write about it. They can't preach about it because they don't even know the difference. The average pastor and your average congregation, every little temptation is the devil. They're giving the devil a lot of glory. Amen. And they're giving him more power than what he had. They're exalting the devil and all devils. They are exalting, as if they are God, as if Satan knows your name. But i got a shock for a lot of you. The devil never heard of you before in his entire life. And he's lived millions of years. And Satan has never heard of you, ever. He doesn't know your name. He doesn't know where you live because satan is not god. He's not all-knowing. He doesn't know every person that lives on earth. Satan is only one little tiny angel. I don't know how how big he is, but compared to God, I'm saying he is tiny. God is everywhere. God is all-knowing. God knows everybody's name, everybody's address, everybody's location. God knows everybody's birthdays. God knows everybody's inner heart, inner thoughts. Satan doesn't know crap. Satan is one angel and not even good at being an angel. He's not all-knowing and all-existing in every nation, every town, every city. It's not even possible for him to know your name unless your name gets uh, in the New York Times. He might be reading the New York Times newspaper and then learn your name. He's only one little angel. He's not God. But sometimes a temptation could be from a, a fallen angel, but it might just be you and your own wickedness. Already given some examples of real spiritual warfare and some examples of when it's not spiritual warfare. Could be just a regular nail, a piece of glass, or your own mistakes, or your own poor diet decisions, or whatever. So I've given already a few examples in both categories, both real and fake spiritual warfare. Sometimes People just have emotional reactions or fear. Sometimes the spiritual warfare may be truly real, and when it is real. We need to know how to handle it. As I said, if you're enduring real spiritual warfare, it's not as simple as just closing your eyes and saying a silent, calm prayer. In spiritual warfare, you've got to take control. you got to take authority against those fallen angels and those wicked people. you got to take authority immediately, quickly, and powerfully. You must immediately transform into being a warrior because guess what? The, the word spiritual warfare, the first part is spirit, and the second part is war. Spiritual warfare. People have never even thought about these two words. They always want to throw around spiritual warfare. Everything is a spiritual warfare. Everything is a, but they never stop to think about the two words, spirit and war. Amen. 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 You ever watched a war movie? It's blood and guts. It's bombs. It's guns. It's explosions. It's screaming. It is pain. It is stabbing. It is all kinds of blood and guts in war. War is nasty. And you think all you got to do is just close your eyes and and, and just pray in your head war is war people have no idea what warfare is no idea war is screaming and yelling Amen. it is noisy Amen. it is loud Amen. praise God let's go to the book of James Talk about how people misunderstand the Bible. James chapter four. James is right after the book of Hebrews. James four, verse seven. For the people listening for the first time are reading from the Alpha and Omega Bible. The Warrior's Bible. Amen? Alpha Mega Bible is the Warrior's Bible. Amen? It's not for wince. It's not for people that are not brave enough to change. Amen? Some people have gotten hold of the Alpha Mega Bible. They looked at a few pages and they said, I don't like it because it's too demanding. It has too many requirements. It has commandments. It explains the truth. So they hate it and they throw it in the trash. Literally. I tell you, a judgment day is coming. Amen. James 4, verse uh, 7. Verse 7, it says, Submit, therefore, to theos, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. He will run from you. I can't really picture the devil running away
3: from too many of you.
0: Running away from you. I can't really picture that happening. Just being honest. Submit therefore to God, they think that means just bowing your head and just being quiet in the middle of war and resisting the devil. They think that means just bowing their head and being quiet. I tell you, submitting to God in itself, even before we get to resisting the devil part, submitting to God
3: can get pretty loud.
0: You first submit to God and even a few times after that. But when you, especially when you first come to God, when you first submit to God, you're realizing your sins and your faults, your transgressions, your paganism, your demonic worship that you've been embracing, you're coming to realize that for the first time and you're coming out of that and that's real spiritual warfare when you're first coming out of those things because... The demons, they want to hold you down in the bondage of fear. They want to hold you down in whatever sin that God is trying to deliver you from. That's when you're having real spiritual warfare with yourself and yourself. Temptations that real demons are bringing against you. And you're battling yourself as well as demons and God at that point of time. Real salvation is not watching CNN or Pat Robinson or Charles Stanley or Joyce Myers and repeating the words after them about letting the Lord in your heart. You're six years old, five years old, four years old. Hey, I did that too. I've been there and done it. I've been there and done that. That game, that make-believe, Thinking that you're saved when six years old, seven years old, you have not even sinned yet. You don't even really, really, really know what sin is. And you don't know really the commandments yet. You don't really understand very much of anything yet. you just recently learned how to wipe your butt. You don't know nothing at that age. You don't have that type of understanding that you need yet for salvation, real salvation. That when you finally grow up, and get older, you start understanding a few things. Your mind is developing. And you eventually come to the knowledge of the Sabbath and the Holy Days and Christmas and Easter and Sunday and the Pope and the Roman Church and all this other stuff you have to find out about and learn about which you don't know anything about at four years old and five and six years old. Amen. You get older and you learn about sin and you start sinning and you start being held accountable for your own sins. People don't understand that little children can't sin because they're not held accountable for their sins. You're under your parents' responsibility. Amen? A five-year-old child that cusses Or takes God's name in vain or something like that because they heard their parents do it. They're not held accountable for that. Their parents are. They have no sin to them. How can you repent of something that you are not guilty of? It's your parents' fault, not your fault. Amen? God doesn't hold no sin accountable to a five-year-old child. It's a child. Amen? Amen? How can you repent for what you're not guilty of, not held accountable for? And what you don't understand. Amen? You know? At that age, actually, it's not that you don't understand, but that you can't understand. God doesn't hold a person accountable if they can't understand. Like if they've uh, got severe mental uh even if they're 40 years old, and and, and their brain doesn't have the mental capacity maybe they had a motorcycle wreck and they're they're, uh, bedridden and and can't even feed themselves and can't even talk because the brain is so dramatically injured from the motorcycle wreck but maybe their uh, brain uh, is spitting out cuss words they're not held accountable for that Or maybe they lose control of themselves and stab the nurse and kill the nurse. They're not held accountable for that if they have no control over their brain. The same as a five-year-old child. Same as a five-year-old child. They're not held accountable for anything. But we go back to Scripture here and get back on the main topic. Drawing near to God. Well, actually, verse 7, submitting to God. Actually, both right there. Drawing near to God and Him drawing near to you in verse 8. James 4, verse 8 is connected as well. Coming to God, drawing near to God. That's emotional. That's tears. That's yelling. That's screaming. That's... uh, Letting out your whole heart and venting your entire heart, thoughts, mind, body, and soul to God. You didn't really do that when you were just repeating somebody else's words on TV. Amen. I remember when I was 10 years old, uh, over and over and over, all the different preachers on TV, I'd say it again, say it again, because I knew it didn't take. Amen. But then I did know, sometimes I'll fall, rather. Sometimes I'll fall, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm saved now. Oh, I said it just right. Yeah, I said it just right, yeah. Oh, oh, this is a better preacher. I repeated his words rather than the other preacher. Yeah, I'm saved now. Bull cried. Bull People's got to get over this brainwashing. People have got to get over this brainwashing. Be truly saved. You need to know the commandments of the Lord. You have to keep Passover, the Passover communion. That's what the Bible says in the book of John, that if you do not eat this uh, body and drink this blood, talking about Passover communion, that's very obviously talking about Passover. Amen? How else are you going to eat the body of Christ and drink his blood? There's no other way than Passover communion. That's the only way you can do that. And it says, if you don't do that, you have no life in you. No life in you. Pat Robinson, when I was 10 years old, he didn't tell me that. He didn't even tell me about the Sabbath or the Feast of Tabernacles or Pentecost. And when I went to the Pentecostal church year after year, they didn't even tell me about Pentecost. When the Pentecostals don't even know what Pentecost is, something's wrong. Or even if they do know what it is, but they make no mention of it during the same week of Pentecost, or even the same day as Pentecost. Pentecost is always on a Sunday. Always. Always on a Sunday. But when I, go, when I, when I used to go to the Pentecostal church, and it was Sunday, It was Pentecost. They weren't even mentioned. Today is the holy day of the Lord. Wouldn't even mention it. They didn't even know it. They didn't even know it was Pentecost. Most of them don't. I think more do today than way back then. But most, I, I think probably most still don't know. The drawing near to God requires a basic foundational knowledge. You can't draw near to God and know nothing. you got to have a little bit of a foundational knowledge, understanding, and comprehension of what sin is and that Sunday is a sin, that Christmas is a sin, that Easter is a sin, that Halloween is a sin. Believing in a three-headed Greek mythological God called Trinity is a sin. Believing in once saved, always saved is a sin. Adoption of demons. So how can you draw near to God while you're still... Doing all those sins and not repenting of them, and not even knowing that there is sin, but you couldn't know. You got the Bible, so you are held accountable for that. People's like, "I'm not held accountable because I don't know," but if you own a Bible, which most American Christians—I'll put that word in quotes—most American Christians do own a Bible. Therefore, you are held accountable because the word Pentecost is in the Bible. The Feast of Tabernacles is in the Bible. The Sabbath is in the Bible. The Communion is in the Bible. So yeah, you're held accountable for it. Drawing near to God is emotional. But I didn't shed a tear when I said the first, second, third, and four hundredth prayer of salvation. Bidding and drawing near to God is yelling, screaming, crying. It is emotional. And it itself is part of a war, a spiritual war. Resisting the devil goes right along with it. Amen? Submitting to God requires resisting the devil. And the devil is not going to run from you unless he is afraid of you. But the devil ain't going to be afraid of you if you're afraid of him more than he's afraid of you. Amen? Amen? He's not going to run from you if you are shaking in your boots. He's not going to run from you if you think that everybody is out to get you. He's not going to run from you if you think you can win just by closing your eyes. If the spiritual warfare that you are enduring, supposedly, if it is real, it would not be solved Simply by closing your eyes, you have to pull out the big guns, spiritually speaking. And that means verbal, loud rebuke. If it goes away when you close your eyes, it's nothing but emotions. Nothing but emotions. If it goes away, when you close your eyes and you start praying silently, then it is nothing but emotions and not spiritual war.
3: Anxiety, fears,
0: phobias, paranoia. These things, you close your eyes and think about God, it relaxes you. Amen. When you're praying and thinking about God and his goodness and asking him for help, it calms your nerves. It calms your mind. It doesn't make devils run. Amen? Devils don't run just because you're praying. They really don't. You could pray
3: all day alone, the devils would still be in the house.
0: Another way you can tell when it's not a real spiritual war is if it occurs, if the war occurs immediately upon seeing the same type of person or thing every time you see it. (laughs) That's just emotion, fear, paranoia. For example, if, <clears throat> if every time you saw a female, <laughs> I'm exaggerating, but I'm, I just it's still a really great example. If every time you saw a female that you felt the demons attacking you, then that's nothing but paranoia, right? Or if every time a woman saw a man, she felt demons attacking her, it would be paranoia because she had a bad experience with a man. Rape or whatever it might have been. And now every time she sees a man, she's got fear, but she might say it's demons. That actually does happen, that some women start thinking that every man is evil because something bad happens. And actually... The statistics show that, that men are the victims of uh, relationship abuse, spousal abuse, even more than women. People don't understand that. People have never been told that. That men are actually the victims more often than what women are. Society, modern Western society, has now been told that it's okay for women to hit a man And people laugh at it and think it's funny that a husband is scared of his wife. They think it's funny that a husband is obedient to the wife, and that the hu- and that the wife is in charge, and that the wife is the one that wears the the household authority pants. They think it's funny, and they make comedy TV shows about it all the time. Society is pretty wicked and upside down. Amen. You know? But another example would be if every time you saw somebody wearing a red shirt that you think it's the devil attacking you. That's a very extreme uh, example. Not very realistic, but still, yeah, a perfect example. If you see the same type of item or person, every time it's automatically certain attacking you, then it's paranoia. Fear, emotions, anxiety, fears. So if every time you see a Muslim or every time you see a Jew or every time you see a black person or every time you see a white person or every time you see a uh, communist or a Democrat, you feel like the devil is attacking you or you're under there doing some kind of curse against you, some kind of spell against you, witchcraft is going on every time you see a Muslim, then that's just paranoia. Because the reality is not every Muslim, not every Jew, not every male, not every female, not ever whatever has any type of spiritual power. Most of them don't know how to cast a spell. They may be an evil person, but they don't know how to cast a spell. Most evil people don't know how to cast a spell. They don't. Most evil people are very ignorant. Not every one of them is an expert witch, right? Most of them don't even know how to conduct spiritual warfare or how to cast a spell or how to curse you because most people today are ignorant. Most people... Left and right, out of every category, most people are extremely ignorant in today's society. They won't even know how to cast a spell if they wanted to. They would have to look it up on YouTube. Amen? Again, people exalt the devil. And people are exalting the wicked. Thinking that every person has great power to wage war against you. Everyone's got great power to attack you, according to your way of thinking. Let's go to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. I want to pause right there because there's so much that we have been deceived about in your traditional average street corner church. Here's part of the problem right here. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Therefore, the average Christian have been taught by the average pastor that everything is spiritual. Because this verse says that we don't walk according to the flesh, that everything is spiritual, basically, is what they think it means. They misunderstand the scripture. They don't understand the scripture. They think that because there is a spiritual warfare, and that the Bible talks about the difference between spiritual warfare and the flesh, therefore everything must be spiritual. Everything. Both in the way we are attacked and the way that we counter attack, that everything must be spiritual and never be fleshly. And that's not logical. That's not logical. If we are beyond seven years old, I think we might have watched the the news at one time, Fox News, CNN, ABC, whatever, and saw missiles flying through the air on a videotape, right? That's a physical thing, a missile It's not a demon, although they may be called demons. But physical warfare is real. Physical warfare actually does happen on this earth. Tanks, missiles, satellites, guns, ammunition. Physical warfare is real. I'd like to inform some people of that fact for the first time. There is such a thing as physical warfare. Not everything is spiritual. People don't understand the scripture. Amen? They take verses like this and make everything into a spiritual situation. But there is war according to the flesh sometimes. It happens. I watch UFC sometimes. Amen? Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. But sometimes they are. Sometimes they are. And even if it might be a spiritual situation, most people, Christians, never read any of the Old Testament very much. They might have read maybe Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Psalm 23, and that's about it. Just like John 3.16 is one of the very few verses in the entire Bible they ever read. They haven't read the historical book. They haven't read the, uh, the Maccabees and T- Tobit and Judith. They haven't read very much about Samson. And what they have read about Samson, they've been programmed by all the pastors and Pharisees that Samson was evil, even though the Bible greatly honors him. Amen? The Bible greatly honors Samson. He's in the list of, of heroes, of faith in, in Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter. He's mentioned right along with Abraham and Noah as being one of the most wonderful men of God. And you have your average pastor and your average church, your average congregation, your average so called Christian think that Samson was a horrible sinner that was totally outside the will of God, following his own carnal flesh because they never read it for themselves, every word of it, where it says that he was following the will of God. Amen. If we read the entire Bible, we would learn that sometimes God uses missiles for horses back then, horses and uh, chariots and arrows due to defeat spiritual forces. Amen? Amen? What did David do? Little David with Goliath. And Goliath, was committing blasphemy against God, cursing the name of God. And Goliath represented a demonic force. But that demonic force was going to fight physically and spiritually both at the same time, Goliath. And David, instead of closing his eyes and praying for the giant to disappear, David took out a stone and his handy, uh, what would you call it? Sling, not a slingshot, but a sling is a different instrument. And knocked Goliath out to death. Amen? And, And beheaded him with Goliath's own sword. Christians today, if such an event were to present itself Christians today would be like, Pastor David is not of the Lord because he took revenge. He took matters into his own hands. He's not saved. He's of the devil. I guarantee you, that's what half of you listening to me right now, if the same event was to happen in modern society, you would be sending David to prison. Amen? Amen. They would send David to prison and you would approve of it. He would promote it. He would sign a petition to make for sure David spends the rest of his life in jail. You would be writing articles of how David was demonic. I'm telling you the God's honest truth. Sometimes the weapon of our warfare or not of the flesh, sometimes it is. Sometimes it is of the flesh. Even God himself says in Ezekiel 38 that he will pull Gog and Magog into Israel. That's a physical warfare. That's a physical invasion. It's going to occur at the beginning of the Great Tribulation, which is not that far away. The Great Tribulation will see physical warfare. And it's God himself that will bring those armies into America, into the UK. And Ireland, you deserve it. Scotland, you deserve it. England, you deserve it. America, you deserve it. Australia, you deserve it. Canada, you deserve it. South Africa, you deserve it. And Jerusalem, you deserve it. Amen? The nations of the earth deserve destruction. People are going to get exactly what they deserve. God is going to raise up men in Russia and China and Syria and Iran to come and whoop our butts because we deserve it. But here's something that we need to understand about fear. Verse 5, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, we are destroying speculations. What is speculations? You know, I'm going to take some time right here. Please bear with me as I pull, I'm going to pull up on my computer what the Greek word is here. Of course, I know the definition of speculations, but it might be something completely different in the Greek. So I'm not going to assume anything right here. I'm gonna look it up real quick. Won't take me long. To Corinthians, ten, verse
2: what?
0: Verse five. Let's just see what we got here real fast in the Greek. Two Corinthians ten, verse five. That's Strong's sequence number thirty. Fifty-three, three zero five three. 3053 Strong's G3053 Lagismas Lagismas Thought, imagination, reasoning, reckoning, conscience, to see imagination, thought, judgment, decision. Thoughts. It means your own thinking. Your own logic. Your own reasonings. Or other people's reasonings. Logic, thinking, thoughts. Verse 5. We are destroying reasonings. We are destroying thoughts. We are destroying imaginations. This talks about you can't hardly do that with other people. It's really about ourselves. Amen. This is warfare against ourselves. Amen. Amen. That is your biggest enemy, not Satan, not any demon on this earth, not even Putin, Russia, China, or Syria, Iran, or not even Biden. Your greatest enemy is yourself that's the greatest enemy and the hardest to defeat. Amen? Amen. And Russia, Putin, is thousands of miles away. But it's more difficult to, to defeat yourself and you live with yourself. It's more difficult to defeat your own self. But not impossible. Not impossible. With God, all things are possible. Amen? But we are destroying your own logic, your own reasoning, your own imaginations. That's what we need to do. That is what we need to do. Because our warfare is not really with demons as much as it is with your own temptation, your own fleshly desires, your own carnal desires, your own imaginations, your own misconceptions, your own false beliefs and misinterpretations. Amen? Your own legalism, your own fears, your own phobias, whatever. There's a lot about yourself that you've got to defeat. Amen. A lot. It starts at home. Amen. It starts within your own temple that you must defeat the enemy, which is you. You are your greatest enemy. You know your name. You know where you live. You have free access to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Even in your sleep, you are attacking yourself. Most dreams are not of the devil. Most dreams are not demons. Most dreams are not spiritual warfare. Most dreams are nothing but your own silly imagination and your own phobias and fears and anxieties. That's the God to honest truth. A dream is not solid proof of a spiritual warfare against you because reality is you've been making yourself more and more and more anxious, right? Because, oh my God, you saw a Muslim. Oh, my God, they're going to attack me. I'm under a witchcraft spell. I'm, I'm this, that, blah, 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 blah. Of course, you're going to dream about it. You've got yourself roughed up. You've got your feathers roughed up. There's where those feathers went. You've got your feathers roughed up. Of course, you're going to dream about it. And... uh
3: God is good.
0: Let me look at my notes here. So God gave me a verse last night that I don't want to leave out, and that's Philippians one. Let's turn over there. Well, actually, might be um, I got two verses in Philippians. Um, this is the one that God gave me last night course, he gave all these to me, but this one particularly powerfully is what I'm trying to say, Philippians 1, give me a page number, page 218, we have the paperbacks of the Alpha and Omega Bible, page 218, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, where we're we going to start, verse 27, Philippians 1, verse 27. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Conduct yourselves. How you act. Amen? Conduct yourselves or act in a manner, a mannerism, worthy of the gospel. Paul is saying that he wants us, and this is the true will of God, This is the true will of God, is that we would act in a manner that is worthy. But the pastors have always taught you to think of yourself as never worthy of anything, that you are trash and your righteousness can never be better than filthy rags. Your average pastor wants to think of yourself as trash and that your righteousness can never be better than trash. That's demonic teaching. Demonic teaching. But rather, we should be found worthy and act worthy and think worthy. Amen? We must be found worthy. Amen. Of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I will come and see you or remain absent, whether I'm coming or not coming to that town to see you, I will hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit and one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Praise God. Notice that word striving. That shows effort. Amen? That word striving shows great effort.
3: I'm going to highlight that. I'm going to
0: highlight that word striving. Because people think that it is so easy. You don't have to strive. They even teach that you should not strive. They actually teach that. No striving allowed. But Paul here wants us to strive. To put forth effort. Amen. And to do it together in cooperation with each other, being co-workers of one another, all in one mind, one spirit, one accord. Amen. Not having division. Amen. Within the church. Standing firm. That word standing firm I'm going to highlight as well because it shows, again, it shows effort. to Stand firm. In other words, the wind might be blowing, the earth might be shaking. There's some kind of resistance that we must stand firm, not fall down, not fall backwards. Amen? But to stand firm. Paul never wrote, not one time, that when I come to visit you, I would like to see you rolling all over the floor. That's interesting that he never wrote that. We need to put that on that one of the articles for that go. Maybe pyre. Uh, worship. I think worship No, fall there's actually falling backwards.
3: Oh there's actually churches
0: where people fall down and roll on the ground and they think that Well that's what I'm talking about. So I think that's backwards.html. That might not be the right address but we'll know where to we'll look up where to get it. That will let us know where to put it. Nevertheless we need to add that to that article that not one time time did Paul say, when I come to visit you, I hope to see you falling and rolling all over the floor. Amen. Very interesting. But I hope to hear of you standing firm. And I know that's mentally and spiritually talking. But nevertheless, that brings to my mind the other things. Verse 28 now, verse 28, in no way alarmed, oh, this is, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, this is powerful. In no way alarmed by your opponents or enemies, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you. And that, too, from the I don't think you just got what I just said. This is powerful. This is the most powerful verse you're going to hear all this year. Maybe not because God is so amazing. Amen? But thus far, I'm going to say thus far this year. This is atomic. Atomic. This is mind-blowing. This is ground-shaking. Listen to this. It says, to be no way alarmed or disturbed by your enemies. Be in no way disturbed by your enemies, which is a sign of destruction for them. You know what that means? That means that when you are not fearful of your enemies, when you are not fearful of... Of the Nazis, the Muslims, the communists, the atheists, the unbelievers, and even the witches, when you are not fearful of them, that is a sign that they're going to be destroyed. Whoa! Whoa! That is mind blowing. When you stand in their midst, Or even sit in their midst Psalm 23 even when you eat at the same table as they do in the lunchroom or break room at work or school you're sitting in their midst of your own enemies and not be shaking in your boots not pooping in your pants But rather, you're sitting there knowing that judgment day is coming. Amen? You're sitting there knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. That you are called of God. That you are worthy. That you are chosen. That you are of royal blood. That you are royalty. That you are not filthy trash that you are a child of God, that your Father is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And you are not fearful of those that are able to destroy the body, but not able to destroy both body and soul in hell because only God can do that. Amen. When you can do that, then you are like a rainbow, a sign of destruction to those people that you're present in front of. A rainbow says to everybody that can see it far and wide for 100 miles, I'm going to destroy you in the lake of fire. That's exactly what the rainbow is saying. That rainbow is saying to everybody that can see it, whether it's 50 miles around, 10 miles, 100 miles, whatever it is, that Yeah, I did destroy the earth before. And although I'm not going to destroy it in the same way as I did it before with water, I'm still going to destroy the earth. And it's coming. Judgment day is coming. It's going to be with the lake of fire next time. That's what the rainbow is saying to everybody that sees it. That when you're sitting in the break room or at your desk, and the enemy walks by, and you're not pooping in your pants, it says to the enemy, judgment day is coming, because this man is not afraid of me. That's what it says to them. Judgment is coming, because this man or this woman, is not afraid of those wimpy demons, that are not even good at being angels. Because we've got the power of God. We've got the greatest power on earth. We've got the greatest power in the universe. We've got atomic power within us. If we would just believe it, stop being wimps. The men in the church need to grow a pair. Amen? This is amazing. Oh, I'm going to tell you how much more amazing it is. Because I was reading the previous chapter, which is back in Ephesians 6, last night, and I had my Bible open to Ephesians 6. And Brother Gerald came in here for something and saw my Bible open and started reading. And he started reading here in Philippians 1, and that was the verse that he pointed out to me. And I'm like, wow, that's the verse I need for the sermon. Amen? But the thing about it is, he thought I was reading in Philippians 1 because the page was open to that. And that's what he told me. But the fact is, I was actually reading in Ephesians 6, which is the previous page. But that would have only been possible only because I was reading a very old edition, a very, very, very old edition of the AOV Bible out of date that we've got sitting over there on the bottom shelf, and I had pulled it out because it was closer to me than The Bible that I normally use, a a version of the AOV that is much more up to date. Because when I'm looking at the Bible that I normally use in front of me right here, right now, I don't see Ephesians 6 when I've got this page open. Amen? Because the page number has changed because we've added notes and stuff like that. So the page numbers have changed over the years. So this makes it even a greater, more powerful of a miracle that that Brother Gerald would be used by God to give me this verse for the sermon last night only because I was using a different Bible than what I normally always use. Because Ephesians 6 and Philippians 1 was both visible at the same time last night, in that particular version of the Bible, but not in this version. That's beyond coincidence. That is beyond logic. That is spiritual event. Amen. A spiritual event. A divine event. Amen. And it is confirmation of God's blessing. Don't turn in and anointing, okay, and anointing. Brother George says, don't turn the page. He's got something else good for us. Amen. But it's God's blessing and anointing upon this message. So you should not be saying to yourself, again, fighting yourself, because you are your greatest enemy. You should not be saying to yourself at any time of this sermon, this is just the pastor's imagination." He doesn't understand me. He doesn't know where I came from. All these excuses. Because the reality is, this is from God. And he knows where you came from and what you have been through and what you are going through. And it is God himself that is saying, it's time to stop being afraid of every little thing and every little thing. Person and every little wind that blows. Amen. What else, Brother Gerald? Oh, the next, two verses. next two verses. Verse 29. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here uh, to be in me. Amen. So we're promised that we should be suffering. Amen. We should suffer with Christ. And most Christians have never been taught that, that if you're a true Christian, you need to suffer. Amen. need to suffer so that you may grow into a stronger Christian. A stronger person. Any other point you want to address there? Okay. Now, there's another verse in Philippians that we need to cover, and that's over in chapter 4. Philippians 4, uh, starting in verse 4. I want to go back to Ephesians after this, and I want to make sure I don't forget about that. Philippians 4, verse 4. says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, Rejoice. Amen. And verse 5, Let your reasonableness or your calmness be known to all men or all mankind. The Lord is near. Philippians 4 verse 5 says, The Lord is near. We could take that two different ways. We could. We could take it as being that Paul believed, which he did in other verses, much more clear, that Paul thought the end of time was very near. Paul really did believe that, according to some of the other verses in the Bible that are unmistakably clear, that he really did believe he was living in the final days. And so did the prophets of the Old Testament believe that as well. And that's the way we should because that is mentality that is needful in war. And we are in war. We're all under during some level of warfare, spiritual warfare, but some people are just paranoid in the midst of warfare. Amen. But another way we could take it is the Lord is near us. But the Lord is present, and therefore we can be calm. Now, I can't tell you for sure how he meant it, because the context is not clear how he meant it. It really could go both ways. But it could be he's saying the Lord is present. So maybe we could find that in the Greek, figure it out. Which one, I don't know. But it could be that He is present. It could be because God is present or near to us that we can be calm. Amen. That we can be relaxed. That we can be brave and bold. Amen. But it says, regardless of what He meant by the Lord is near, or maybe He meant because the Lord is coming, that we can take reassurance that we're going to be with God soon, that the Lord will be present with us soon, that the Lord is going to take over the earth soon. However he meant it, regardless of how he meant that, we need to let our calmness be seen by everybody around us. Amen? Let me tell you something. Even when it's not spiritual warfare, if you are shaking in your boots and afraid of everybody that walks past you, then when a real demon walks by and see you acting that way, you're going to be in real warfare. Right? Amen? Amen? If you're walking down the road and acting afraid and looking around you like if somebody is going to attack you, you're trembling in your boots, then you're just asking for it. Just like when you drink soda pop, you're just asking to be attacked. Amen? Amen? You're going to be truly spiritually attacked if you present yourself as a victim. Amen. Rather than a warrior. If you're presenting yourself constantly as a victim rather than a warrior, then you're going to end up being a victim because you're asking for it. Amen. In verse 6, be overly anxious about nothing, but rather in everything, by prayer and supplication, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In other words, instead of being worried or overly anxious about everything, we need to be thankful for everything. Thankful for the job. Thankful for the house. Thankful for the residence. Thank you for the car. Thank you for that bite of food. Thank you for the banana. Thank you for the peach. Thank you for that bite of food. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Constantly thanking the Lord for everything. Thank you for the earthquake. Thank you for the tornado. Thank you for the knife in the back. Thank you that I was shipwrecked. Thank you that the whale swallowed me up. Thank you that I was thrown in the pit. Thank you I was thrown in the dungeon. Thank you that I was arrested. Thank you for the rope against my neck. Thank you for the knife and the sword on my throat. Because I'm just going to burst out of that grave. Whoa, baby! You just stand back and... Here, hold my beard, because I'm about to burst through the ground. Amen? Ain't no grave can hold his body down. We need to find that song. Ain't no grave can hold his body down. Amen? Amen? Don't fear him that's able to only destroy only the body. But only him that can and will destroy both body and soul in the lake of fire. Amen. Don't be anxious. Overly anxious is what it's really talking about. It's not saying that you don't need a plan and that you shouldn't have any concern for anything in life. It's not saying that. But really, to not be over-anxious about anything. Trust the Lord. As long as you're doing your part, Now, you've got to make sure you're doing your part. You've got to make sure you're doing your part. But as long as you are doing your part, then trust the Lord. Amen? Verse 7. Then, and only then. Amen? Then the peace of theos, which surpasses all comprehension, it'll blow your mind, will guard your heart. Well, guard your mind. You need your mind. Guard it, buddy. You need your mind. Guard it. Amen. And your heart's guarded in Christ Jesus. But it starts in verse 4. Rejoice. And I say it again, and I say it again, and I say it again. I repeat myself. Rejoice. Amen. We need to have a rejoiceful heart. You can't do that if you're listening to Alex Jones every day. Amen. Amen. You can't do that if you're reading Natural News Adam, whatever it is. I forget his name. uh, Mike Adams, that's it. Because people like that. They will drag you down. If you're listening to InfoWars every day or even every other day, they will drag you down. Always telling you that everybody's out to get you. That the New World Order is listening to everything you say and watching everything you go, the big brother is breathing down your throat, they want you to be fearful. Amen. They want you to be paranoid. They want you to be scared. And Alex Jones talks about, don't be scared because they want you to be scared, but yet he's the one scaring the daylights out of you. Amen. People have no discernment at all. Absolutely no discernment. Period. Zero, 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 zero. Amen. Demons like attention. They like to be exalted. They like to be talked about. Nephilim, demons, UFOs, ghosts. These people that like to Watch that type of movie, listen to that type of podcast, that type of video, and they do it every day. They're so addicted to it. The demons like the attention. The New World Order likes the attention. Amen. Because it exalts them. It exalts evil for you to pay attention to it constantly. It drags you down. It feeds the enemy. It feeds the devil. It feeds the spiritual warfare against you while it's programming you and brainwashing you to trust and to idolize and to lift up the very people that the New World Order has planted to do their bidding. Amen. people that the New World Order has planted to do their bidding or to to cause you to trust them so they will lead you into the concentration camp, the very people that's warning you about the concentration camp. Buy the gold from me. Buy the gold from me. Buy the survival food from me. I will save you.
3: Buy the pills. He sells yeah. the
0: pills. Buy the pills from me. Buy the bleach from me. Buy the walkie-talkies from me, which the government gave me, that has a microchip that will attract you so that I can hold you down in the ground and stab you myself. People's going to walk. You know, they don't have to come with guns to round us up. Because people are going to freely walk to the very people that's going to put them into the concentration camps. They're going to freely walk to, freely drive, freely get on the airplane and freely go to the concentration camps thinking that that's where they need to go and that God led them there, guarantee you just like the new 15-minute the new cities, known, and um, that place that they're talking about building in Las Vegas or Nevada or Arizona, wherever that is, and all kinds of other new cities that they're building all across the world, even in the United States, where it's going to be cities of refuge, security, safety. And yet... They're being built by Donald Trump, Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab, all these New World Order people. Sir Alex Jones is investing in it as well. And he'll hold the door for you. Come on in. People are going to go to places thinking that's the best place to survive. And it's going to be the concentration camp in camouflage, wolves in sheep's clothing. But God is good. Let's go back over to... uh, Actually, I... There's another verse I haven't read here that we need to make sure we read real fast. Let's see. Uh, Verse 8 I left out. Verse 8. Finally, brother, whatever is true, whatever is honorable. Notice it doesn't say whatever is satire. Amen? People love the Babylon Bee. The Babylon Bee. What's it called? Babylon and these so-called, so-called conservatives posting articles from the Babylon Bee thinking, Oh, it's funny. I don't find it very funny to, tell, to make up a news story, to make it uh, fake news. And these same people that share these articles claim to be against fake news. And here they are pushing fake news. And there's people that are so gullible and naive and ignorant that they read they read these news articles, and even though it's outrageous, ridiculous, silly news that's made up, they still don't have any discernment, any intelligence, any logic to recognize that it's fake news, that it's satire. And the new world order, they are. They bank on that. And that's what they want. They know that there's a lot of people out there that have no discernment and no logic whatsoever at all that's going to just eat that stuff up. And actually share the article thinking it's real. And that happens every day. Every day. People are sharing the satire, not even knowing it's satire. Actually believe in the crap. That's a New World Order tactic. Continue to dumb down society. But these things you should think upon is what is true. Amen? What is true you should think upon. Verse 8. Whatever is honorable, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, good repetition, reputation, good report. If there is any excellency, if there is anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Dwell on these things. Now, of course, we don't need to bury our head in the sand. We do need to be informed, educated about the New World Order, what's going on in the world, the wickedness of the world, politics. We need to be educated about politics. We need to be aware of politics. We need to be uh, telling other people the truth about against the Democrat Party and so forth. But there's a time to stop talking about that, stop watching that, stop listening to that, and instead, get your nose in the Bible and worship and put your head to the floor and worship and praise to God and put your mind on the good things and share the good things and give testimony of the good things and talk about the good things and focus on the good things. Amen. But the devil wants you to be captive and addicted to all the negative things. Amen? So you got to find the proper balance. Amen? You've got to find the proper balance. It starts with rejoicing in verse 4. If you want the peace that surpasses all understanding in verse 6, then you have to have the rejoicing. That's in verse 4. Amen? Rejoice. And again, and again, and again, I say, rejoice. Remember to rejoice. Amen? Remember to rejoice. Praise God. And it's good to rejoice aloud. Verbally. Let it out, brothers and sisters. Get out. Let it out. A-p-e-p-e-e. A-p-e-p-e-p-e-p-e-p. Amen? Enjoy life. Life is too short to be a sour grape. Amen. Life is too short to be a prune. Life is too short. We gotta take time. Take the shoes off. Feel the sand between our toes. Amen. We need to breathe the fresh air. Get outside and relax. Amen. Let's go over to Ephesians 6 where I was reading last night. Ephesians 6. This talks about putting on the full armor of the Lord, the full armor of God. We know these verses over and over. We have read these. We know these verses about putting on the full armor of God. But have you ever thought about something putting on an armor a man's that you fight, it does no good to put on this armor if you're not going to fight. Do you put on your suit and tie, your dress, clothes, and then just stay home? No, of course not. If you put on your suit and tie, you're going out. You're going to the office or you're going to the party or the gathering or the meeting or something. You don't get up put on a suit and tie just to stay home and lay on the couch. God, I hope not. Amen. You put on the armor, you're going to fight. And that's more than just closing your eyes and saying a sonic prayer. It requires action. Standing up on your feet and marching forward. Amen. If you got on your armor, you're gonna do some marching. And that marching is not away from the danger, but toward the danger. Amen. Oh my God, I'm going to have to face the enemy face to face. I want to go backwards. I want to go back. I want to go home. No, brother. You got to go forward. Straight up to the face of Goliath. Amen? And things are about to fly. Amen? Amen? The poop is about to hit the fan. Amen? It's going to happen one of these days. Amen? I have to talk baby language. Because somebody might get offended. Oh, how dare he said shit? How dare he say it? (laughs) Sorry. Verse 13. Actually, let's go all the way up to verse uh, 10. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally... Be strong in the Lord. Not weak, not wimpy, but strong in the Lord and in the strength of His power. That's the problem is we forget the strength of His power. Amen? Maybe the coffee wore off. Maybe you left part of the armor of God at home. Maybe you forgot to bring the belt. Maybe now your pants are falling down because you forgot to bring the belt. you got to put on the whole armor of God. Amen? All of it. If necessary, then you should stand there every morning and lay hands on yourself, on your, on your head, on your belly, on your legs, on your feet. And I used to do this You know, when you first get started with the Lord or first really start getting geared up or whatever, at any different times of your life, you may want to do this. You say, therefore you take the full armor of God, let's say, la, 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 la. Let's jump ahead a little bit. Verse 14, cutting on the breastplate of righteousness. So you touch your breasts. He said, I put on the breastplate of righteousness. I put that on right here, right now. Then you touch your feet, fastening your feet with the readiness of the gospel of peace. You say it verbally, out loud, while touching your feet. In addition to all this taking up the shield of faith, so I take my hand I just wave it in front of me like I'm drawing the shield in front of me, the shield of faith with which you're able to extinguish all the missiles, the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, laying both hands on your forehead or your head, as you're putting on a helmet on your head. And the sword of the Spirit, So I grab the sword with my hand, my imaginary sword, which I will slay the dragon with. Amen, because the dragon is real. Amen. And the Word of God. Amen. It is the Word of God, that sword of the Spirit. So we could touch our mouth. Amen. Scripture is the sword. The Word of God, sharper than a two-edged sword. The Scripture. How many of you are using Scripture? in your spiritual warfare. Amen? Scripture is powerful. Scripture is holy. Scripture is divine. Use Scripture. Memorize Scripture. The verses that are the most powerful for whatever temptation that you have whatever battle you have, whatever weakness you have, whatever flaw you have that must be defeated, use those particular scriptures and use them powerfully, knowing that they're going to work. Don't use them thinking that it might not work. But you use them knowing it's going to work because the sword is powerful. It is sharp. Amen. think about the two witnesses book of Revelation how it says that if anybody comes against them that these two witnesses will kill them with the word that comes out of their mouth literally kill the enemy that's going to come against these two witnesses these two witnesses two humans not angels Humans, they're not Moses, they're not Elijah, because those people are dead and buried, just like David is buried in the tomb to this day. Book of Acts says twice, Amen. Moses and Elijah and Enoch and Noah and all them—they are gone and they are buried. They are dead and have no more reward. The Bible says, Amen. They've died without receiving the promises, the Bible says. Amen. They're dead. They're gone. But we have a new generation, a new Elijah, a new Moses, a new church, a new people of God, a new generation, a new birth. This is what we live in today. Amen. We need a new Samson. Amen. A new one. Instead of praying that God bring the laborers, we need to pray that we be the laborers. That we become the Samson's. That we become the Noah's. That we become the Apostle Paul's. That we become the prophets and apostles and church of God. Instead of asking what the kingdom may do for you, then you would ask what you can do for the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Send me, Lord, I'll go. I will slay the giants. I will fight. I will be your warrior. Amen. That's what we need today. We need people that will put on the armor and use it. Amen. Verse 18 with all prayer and petition, play at all times in the Spirit, which does not mean in tongues, but that meant in tongues it'll say in tongues. It doesn't say in tongues. In the Spirit, which means your mind is on the Lord. You're not in your own mind. You're not in your own carnal ways. You're not within your own carnal flesh. But rather, you are totally surrendered to God in your prayer. Your mind is on the Lord. You are enveloped, encapsulated in His presence in that prayer. Amen. That's what that's talking about. And with this in view, be on the alert of all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Amen. We need to be praying one for another. Amen. Verse 19, and pray on my behalf that utterance or eloquent speech may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. You need to be praying for your spiritual leaders in the true church. In the true church. I'm not talking about the Sunday churches and the Trinity churches and the Christmas churches. Because really your prayers for them are in vain. Because it's up to them it's up to them whether they're ever going to surrender to God or not. Your prayers ain't going to do a thing about that. It's their choice about whether they surrender to God and accept the truth. Amen? People have never been told about personal responsibility. They think you can just pray for somebody and God's just going to snap his fingers or say the word and bam, all of a sudden that person is going to change their life. The reality is that person has to make up their mind. Amen? That person has to make up their mind that they want the truth and seek the truth with their own mind, their own heart, their own will, their own decision. Your prayers ain't going to do a thing to change that. If they want to stay in false religion, they're going to stay in false religion. That's their decision. That's what they have already made up their mind to do. To believe they want to, go the way they want to believe. Amen? Your prayers will be much more effective to pray for yourself. Pray for yourself because yourself is your greatest enemy. You need more prayer than what they do. Because you are your greatest enemy. You need more prayer than what they do. Amen? You gotta fix yourself before you can fix anybody else. Amen. But let's go back up to the talk here. Verse ten. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. I think you need to read that every day, every day, and memorize that every day. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. It would be a really good ideal. To quote that verse aloud as you're walking through the door of the shadow of death. Amen. And what about that Psalm 23? You've already mem- memorized it. You already know Psalm 23, every word of it by heart. Why not quote it aloud, out loud, in the middle of your lunch? or your break, or when you go to the bathroom, or before you enter the door to the valley of the shadow of death. Amen. Or while you're in in the middle of the desert, while you're in the middle of the pit, while you're in the middle of eating supper with your enemies, or lunch with your enemies. Why not Let's go ahead and start quoting Scripture right in front of Satan? Amen. Why not just piss him off? Amen. And just start quoting scripture right face to face. He did it to Jesus. And Jesus did it right back. Amen. Amen.
3: God is good.
0: Again, the scripture is the sword of God. Amen. Quote verse 10 when you're about to fight. Verse 10 when you are tempted. Verse 10 when you're about to face your own Goliath. Not by my power and my might, but by his spirit. Amen. Ain't that what the Bible says? Not by power and might of our own, but by His power, His might, we can defeat all the Goliaths. Amen. God is so good. Let's see if I missed anything, Brother Joe. You can start thinking. There's one verse in 2 Corinthians 10 that I didn't quite preach well enough. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 10, 2 Corinthians 10. I'll preach that verse a little bit more. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. We are destroying those speculations, those imaginations. But the last part of verse 5 says we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Are we really doing it or not? Amen. Bringing every thought captive, that means taking control of your thoughts, Taking control of your imaginations. And sending your imaginations and your fears marching to the throne of God like a teacher or a principal in school, saying, march yourself to the principal's office. Amen? That's what you need to do some of the fallen angels, the demons. When you're in a real spiritual warfare, you say, look here. Look here, demon. I command you to go immediately to the throne of God, right now. Send him to the principal. Amen? You can do it, buddy. You can do it, sister. Send that angel to the throne of God. Go now.
1: Amen? Alleluia.
0: Alleluia. God is good. Send that demon a-packing. God is good. Okay, I've opened up the chat room to, if anybody has any questions, if you are registered registered and signed in to Mixler right now, then uh, you're welcome to uh, let me know if you have a testimony or if you have a song, if you want to sing right now, or if you want to play a musical instrument right now, or if you have a question right now about anything I have said today or anything else, or if you have a, a true prophetic dream from the Lord, or a testimony of something God has done for you, and you want to share that right now, you can either type it, or you can say that I would like to, uh, 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 I don't know how we would do this for certain people, but for certain people, you can actually contact Brother Gerald or me on Telegram or WhatsApp right now, and we would be able to connect you aloud for people to hear you, okay? Uh, If you know how to contact us on WhatsApp or Telegram, uh, you could do that. Uh, I can't really do the parousia right now, Uh, but some of you have these ways of contacting us. And I would like to have that way of contacting everybody that's been listening to the services, because I would really like, to be a true brother to you, and you be be, I would like for you to be my true sister. I need some sisters really bad, severely, and I need some more brothers, very severely. Amen. And so just Brother Gerald and my wife, and everybody else in the ministry around the world. We very severely need other additional true brothers and sisters that will actually call us on the phone, actually text us, actually email with us, email with us. Be our pen pals and be our buddies and our friends and some people to come and sweep the floor. We need people to vacuum. We need people to chop wood. We need people to uh, just hold our hands sometimes. Amen? We just need human fellowship just like you do. Amen? But people are so complacent and people are so much in bondage to jobs, careers, college, education, money, houses, land, family, friends, and they want to put God very, very, very last. And that is the reality that we're dealing with, and that is why Brother Gerald and I are so overwhelmed with so much to do, because nobody is willing to surrender to God and come and be part of the church and be part of the congregation the co-workers with Christ, the laborers with Christ, they just want to close their eyes and pray silently and do nothing really for the Lord. I'm just telling you the God the honest truth. And that is why that the gospel is so greatly suffering and it will continue to suffer. And even Christ himself wondered if he would find faith in the earth when he returned. That's how bad, how severe the situation is. Amen. Alright, Brother Gerald, you got anything to share? Well, first, most immediately,
3: those statements about the principal's office, similar thoughts were going on my mind, and I wrote them down. And things I wanted to present to you, and that was one of the ones I didn't present. Very similar thoughts. Okay. Very similar.
1: Amen. And
3: Second, that your own fears, your own paranoia can be as bigger and as small as you let them be. shouldn't be any larger than please. And I also want to confess that I've been guilty myself of a lot of things that haven't reached in the last few over the past few years. Fear and paranoia thinking people are up to get you when they are. Even Alex Jones very familiar with that. Yeah. they will go in great detail. And see things where sometimes you think it might be a curse or maybe it's not, or maybe you brought it on yourself. Maybe yeah. I did. And I have an example of that I'd like to present
0: for. It. All right. I'm going to go and get it. Okie dokie. He's going to run and get something real quick. We'll be back here <laughs> in a minute. It is good to see the people that are listening. It's good to speak. It's good to see the people that are repeat listeners, that committed to the Lord about listening, as the Bible does talk about. That we're commanded to gather together on the seventh day. It's not just a day of worship, but also a day of gathering. Amen. Uh, and a day of rest, worship, and gathering. All those three components right there are very, very, very important. Uh, I know see if I left anything out. Usually do leave something out. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I need to say this. You know, uh,
3: one of these days
0: everything it will hit the fan. Man, there's a big storm of brewing. There is gonna be a time of uh, Tribulation, that's going to be a thousand times worse than what we're experiencing right now, even though uh, times are pretty rough right now. It's going to get a thousand times worse. We ain't seen nothing yet. When when it does hit the fan, look for a guy that is calm, cool, and collected and looks like he is the most in control because he's not afraid. He's not shaking in his boots. Look for the guy that has on the armor of God. Look for the guy when it does hit the fan. Look for the guy with the armor of a voider. The this. The the stand of a warrior, the posture of a warrior, the mentality of a warrior. Because it is that guy that you want to stand behind. It is that guy that will be a good leader in that. That's who you want to be connected with. The David of today the up of today. Amen. You don't want to be following somebody with shaking in their boots.
3: Okay, dokie. What you got, brother? So, lots of things I've seen recently that I think in my mind, oh, this might be a curse against my but our detective's hat—logical thing. Yeah, there are other. Might be other causes for it. That's enough. That's it. it really is a curse. So it will eventually be made apparent, yeah. where you can't deny it. Chicken busts and front door. Then you can stomp and shout. Hear the demon scream. So. Or two days ago, I believe I was walking around in the yard in the morning, and in the far corner of the yard, found this glass, piece of glass from uh, a I believe seems to be a soda bottle, no refill. Now that corner of the yard is. Um, can't exactly get it. First, I swept this yard many, many, many times, picking up even teeny tiny pieces of glass. Where? What corner? Uh,
0: this corner. Yeah. So It is like the farthest corner. corner from the road.
3: Amen. If you, if, so anyone can throw up. Anyone can throw a piece of glass that far, and perhaps I should try myself from the road.
0: Nobody could.
3: So it would have to have come logically from one of the neighbors yeah. or someone. Getting in the yard,
0: and throwing. Let someone do that and throw a piece of glass. Perhaps I brought it on, and perhaps I brought it on myself. Perhaps someone else has. Well, my personal experience with yards, finding things in the yard. Sites and different places I've been in my whole life, is that um, it's amazing what will be exposed over time. I don't know what it is, but over time, more things become visible. That you, think you can live on that spot for years, and then all of a sudden, it's like that somebody scraped the ground, even when they didn't. And you see something there. I really don't see nothing. I really don't believe that it's any spiritual curse or person or neighbor or any kind of it's hard to explain, but I've seen it over and over in my life how that erosion of rain, wind, whatever over time will eventually expose the next uh, piece of glass or fragment of something that has been there really for decades over and over and over, yeah. So, again, that's a classic example of where we might think that there's a new event and a new attack or a new uh, spiritual war or something, a new attack by a person or spirit, whatever the case may be, it's been there the whole time, and we can't see it. But it's now revealed through wind, rain, uh, whatever.
3: Falling out of a tree, it was right on top of the ground. Yeah. Uh, hey, There was a pizza box in the attic, but there was a glass bottle in the tree that no surprise. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so things happen. And things happen, and we don't understand everything. And a lot of times, if we don't understand it, can we jump to conclusions it's got to be a spiritual attack or somebody's out to get me or whatever, somebody's doing something against me. When the reality is, there's a lot of things about life that we don't see because we walk around with blinders on, either looking at our phone, looking at the computer, looking at our feet, whatever, looking at a book, whatever, and we don't see things, I mean, you can drive down the same road year after year, even five years of driving down the same the same road, the same direction, nothing changed, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you see something you never saw before, and it's been there a long time after five years. And I, I, I've I've done that over and over and over. Amen. And I can't count the times that people have told me that something is new. Because they never saw it before. And I'm like, I've been seeing this for six months. I've been seeing this for a year. And you just now see it. You know? we pretty much, a lot of times, walk around blind to wonder we can get from one side of town to another. Because we are walking around blind all the time. That's everybody, including myself. So there's a lot of times that there's nothing to it and we make a law out of it because we didn't see how it happened, how it got there. We have a new explanation for it. When really it's just life. It's just life.
3: Sometimes you can even miss an elephant and not one. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Right, thanks for sharing that because it's a perfect example of how we uh, jump to conclusions. We kind of, you know, we've been tall through that. We've been told by uh, churches and teachers and, and we teach ourselves to jump to conclusions. We're getting into a habit of jumping to conclusions. Yeah. Okay. Now, Say one more thing. Of course, I do know that real spiritual warfare does happen and is increasing. I understand that. But at the same time, everything I have to say today is the truth that a lot of the times we're just fighting ourselves, our imaginations, our fears, our anxieties, our misunderstandings, so forth. That is a huge portion of what has occurred. I'm not discounting the reality of real spiritual warfare that happened. Uh, but now what comes into my mind is perfect example of multiple uh, paranoid people that have contacted me and even stalked me severely uh, that think that everything is a devil. Everything is a devil and um, can't convince them it. There's really no hope for them. There really isn't. There really is not any hope for them. But they have so totally convinced themselves that every little thing is the devil. Everything. And it's very sad. Very sad. Some people are suffering from this problem much, much, much worse than others. It's an addiction to think that way. Okay. Uh, I will release the sermon notes, some very, very, very brief notes. I will put on uh palatio. Um, for people to uh, read go over that way you can go over these same uh, verses and points and principles a second time to help you digest it, to help you understand it to help you learn it help you uh, progress uh, improve and uh, your journey that you are going. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you for long suffering. with my long-windedness. Thank you very much. Hope that you're able to rest and have a good day. Talk to you later and see you next seventh day. God bless. In Jesus' name, amen. Please confirm that you would like to end this meeting by pressing star zero.